Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message, and I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Well, here we are at the end of another year, and I wanted to send 2023 out with a bang. And so what better way than some good dad jokes about New Year's Eve? Are you ready? All right, here we go. The first one. What was Dr. Frankenstein's New Year's resolution? To make new friends. Think about that. Uh, here's another. Uh, who gets the most excited about the countdown on New Year's Eve? Calendar companies, definitely. Last one's a knock-knock joke, so you're going to have to participate with me here, okay? Do you remember how to do a knock-knock joke? Here we go. Knock-knock. That was really good. I thought I was going to have to do that twice, so let's just because that's what I was planning on. Knock-knock. Woo. Calm down, folks. It's not the new year yet. We've got to take care of that tonight. Well, as the year comes to a close, it's a good time to look backward, and we've had an awesome year together as a church family. I want to kind of share with you some of the highlights. Next Sunday, we're going to look forward. We're going to introduce our theme for 2024, and we're going to talk about some of the goals that we have. But I really love at the end of the, at the, end of the year to look back over some of the ways that God has blessed us, some of the memories we've made together the different experiences that we've had, successes and failures, so that as we go into the new year, we're trusting in God more. We can see how he has blessed us through, and it just increases our love and our trust in him. So some of the highlights from this past year one of the things we did was we partnered with Family Promise, which is an organization here in Baldwin County and across the nation that... Uh, works with and blesses families that are experiencing displacement. And so four different times over this last year, we opened our building and we served five different families and allowed them to stay here. And Lord willing, in 2024, we plan to do the same. One of the things that we did is we restarted the Forge Men's Ministry and saw, saw a lot of growth amongst our men coming together. And we've seen growth in every ministry that we have going as a church family. Uh, I, I'm a numbers guy. I like to think about numbered goals. And so one of the things that we saw over this past year is our average monthly attendance increased by 30 people per month. And one of the reasons why is because we had 28 new members that joined our church family officially. And so looking forward to more that will come in 2024, but that's an awesome thing to celebrate together. We sent nine of our members to Honduras for a mission trip. And Lord willing, in 2024, we will send more than nine. But we want to praise God for those nine that were sent. There were six precious babies born into our church family over this last calendar year. Beautiful, a miracle to see new life come into this world as God continues to bless us with growth. And then one that I'm very excited about, there were 12 individuals, I don't have a picture of all 12, but 12 individuals who this last calendar year put Christ on in baptism. And Lord willing, next year, I'm a person who likes to set and break goals. It's not 12 next year, it's 13 plus. 
right? And, and so we just want to celebrate that and recognize how God has really worked throughout this last calendar year. This is not patting ourselves on the back. This is recognizing the working of God in this community, in our church family, bringing about growth. Well, as we're thinking about the, this year and closing out this year and looking Ed, a little bit. I want us to spend some time in Psalm 141. I'm not going to have it on the screen today. I want you to bust out your Bible or open up your Bible app. It's 10 verses, and we're going to read that together in just a minute. And what we want to do and what we want to pay attention to is the message from Psalm 141. As we end this year and we get ready to head into the new year, I want us to think about what it means to keep our eyes on God. And David, the author of Psalm 141, is going to give us a couple of things that we need to to pay attention to and we need to watch so that we can, excuse me, so that we can keep our eyes on God. And the reason why it's important is because your focus determines your direction. You're going to pursue the things that you're focused on in life. And so if your eyes are focused on the Lord and he is the focus of your life, then that's exactly where your life will head. So let's read Psalm 141 together. <clears throat> excuse me. A Psalm of David. Lord, I call on you. Hurry to help me. Listen to my voice when I call on you. May my prayer be set before you as incense, the rising of my hands as the evening offering. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Do not let my heart turn away to any evil thing or perform wicked acts with evildoers. Do not let me feast on their delicacies. Let the righteous one strike me. It is an act of faithful love. Let him rebuke me, for it is oil on my head. Let me not refuse it. Even now my prayer is against the evil acts of the wicked, when their rulers will be thrown off the sides of a cliff. That's a little graphic. Uh, the people will listen to my words, for they are pleasing. As when one plows and breaks up the soil, turning up rocks, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes look to you, Lord, my Lord. I seek refuge in you. Do not let me die. Protect me from the trap they have set for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. So David has four things he wants us to watch out for and to pay attention to so that our eyes can stay on God in the upcoming year. The first one is to watch your mouth. You ever been told that? Maybe when you were a child, somebody said, hey, watch your mouth. Well, what David said is he said, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Now, as a person who is guilty of talking a lot, there have been many times where I have had to eat some of the words that I have said. There have been times where my words have caused offense to other people. There have been times where I have spoken out of turn. There have been times where I have spoken in an area that I knew very little about, but I spoke it confidently and completely wrong. And so I, I completely identify with what David is writing. And he pictures this security guard that's at the door of his mouth. And just think about how you could benefit and I could benefit from that before a word goes out that word is inspected by a security officer and that in that security guard looks at that word or that series of words and says I don't think that's the right thing to say I don't think that's best for the time I think you're completely wrong here think about how awesome that would be before your words go out that they were completely filtered and inspected that would be awesome. Now, we do have this gift called the Holy Spirit who will do that if you will surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it just reminds us of the power that our words have. 
And the reason why it's so important to watch our mouth is because your words determine the direction of your life. You've gotten in trouble over things you've said. Yes, I know you have. And there have also been changes in your life because of some things that you've said. There's this fascinating text in the book of James. It's this letter that James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes, and he gives an analogy. He actually gives two analogies. I just want to focus on one this morning because he's talking about the power of the tongue, and he uses an analogy of a horse. And I don't know if you've ever seen anybody ride a horse or if you've ever ridden a horse. It's really fascinating. You've got this thousand-pound beast that has been tamed and is completely under your control, even the control of a small child on the back of this massive animal. And what gives the control is this. It's a bit. It's something that goes inside of that animal's mouth that allows you to take control over that massive animal. That animal could throw you off. That animal could run from you. That animal is totally stronger than you. But this little piece of equipment allows you to take complete control. And James uses that as an, anal as an analogy where his mind is blown over the size and power, the power the tongue has, but yet the small size of, of what it actually is. It's one of the smallest muscles in your body, yet it determines the course of your life. And so in James 3, he says the tongue's a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your life on fire. Is that not one of the truest things you've ever heard? Things you have said that have completely set your life on fire. All of a sudden now you're putting out fires. Maybe it was lies that were told or things that you said that you shouldn't have said. And all of a sudden there's a relationship that's been ruined or damaged completely. You allowed your emotions to get the best of you. And in front of your boss, you said, well, I quit. And then as you walked out the door, you're like, that was not a good idea. But now your life's completely on fire because of words you said, just two words. And he says, you know why it can set your life on fire? Because it can be set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds. I don't even know how that's possible, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Reptiles and even fish. I really pondered on that one until I remembered, yeah, you go to SeaWorld, they did tame some fish there. That's pretty cool. But nobody can tame the tongue. You can tame an animal as large as a horse. You can tame an orca whale. I'm wearing orca whale socks for that reason this morning. But you cannot tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. You've broken somebody's heart with the words you've said. You've spoken lies. You've hurt someone, brought them down, tore their life down because of things you've said. Yet on the flip side, you've lifted somebody up through your words. You've come across somebody that was having a really hard day and you just spoke to them and your words lifted them up, encouraged them, changed the direction of their life because of your words. And most importantly, you've confessed the name of Jesus with your words, which has completely changed the direction of your life. We need to watch our words because our words actually determine the direction of our life. That's the first thing that the psalmist David tells us to pay attention to, to keep our eyes on God. The second one is to watch our thoughts. He says in 
In the New Living Translation, verse 4 of Psalm 141, don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. I've said it before and I'll say it again and we'll continue to say it. No one drifts toward God. You will not, at the end of next year, without being intentional, you will not accidentally drift closer to God. You won't get to the end of next year and say, you know, I wasn't trying to, but my goodness, my life is a lot closer to Jesus than it was at the end of last year. If you don't pay attention to what's going on in your mind and in your heart, you won't drift toward God. In fact, you'll drift away from God. And that's why the Bible talks about the link between the mind and the heart, between the things that we think and the things that we feel and the need to pay attention to those because it not only determines the direction of our life, but it absolutely affects our relationship with the Lord. And it will cause us to drift farther or to intentionally move toward him. It's why the Bible says that we need to guard the heart because from the heart spring all the issues of life. It's why Paul would say uh, to take every thought captive to try to make it obedient to Christ. It's why in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about that one of the goals that God has for you and for me is to transform our life through renewing our mind, through changing the way that we think. Have you ever uh, seen someone that got glasses for the first time. I've never worn glasses. At some point, it's coming. I know that it will because a couple of years ago, I went and had a uh, physical done for my CDL, and I did the vision test, and I covered one eye, and it got really fuzzy, and I couldn't read the line that I normally could read. And so I had to go back two years, and excuse me, the nurse told me, she said, oh, you've got 20-40 vision in that eye, but it was 20-20 in the other eye. So I went back two years later, and I remembered which eye was the bad eye, so I started with the good eye. And I just memorized the line as I read it. And then when I covered my other eye, I just, I couldn't see it at all, but I remembered what the letters were. Well, I went back two years later for another physical, and I remembered the same trick. And so I started with my good eye, and I read the line, and I memorized it. But this lady was on her game. She said, read that line with your other eye, but read it backwards. And I was like, ooh, but I got a pretty good memory when it comes to letters and numbers. Not with things people tell me, but things that I see. And I got it right. I read it backwards to her. And she said, 2020 vision. I'm like, praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so at some point, I'll have to wear glasses. I know that. I know it's coming. But it changes the way that you see, doesn't it? It clarifies things. Where things were a little fuzzy before, now they're very clear. And when Paul says that God wants to renew your mind, he wants to clarify the way that you see life. He wants to change the way that you look at every aspect of your life. He wants to change the way that you see your job. Maybe now you see your job as just something that you go in, you clock in, you clock out. He wants to change the way that you view that because he's placed you there on purpose purpose, to impact some people, to teach you some things, to use that as an opportunity to bring him glory through exercising those God-given gifts that you have. He wants to change the way that you view school, not just as an opportunity to grow in knowledge or not just something you have to endure until you get out, but to place you and to help you discover who you are as an individual, to introduce you to people that you will never meet unless you were there. He wants to change the way that you view relationships. Not just people to serve your interest, not just someone to give you what you need, but people to bless. Opportunities to grow closer to Christ as you grow closer to one another. He wants to change the way that you view your money. Not as just something to blow, but as something to bless other people with. He wants to change the way that we view the world 
by changing the way that we think. So if you want to keep your eyes on God, you better pay attention and watch what's flowing through your mind and what's flowing out of your heart. The third thing the psalmist says is he says you need to watch your time. Watch your time. How would you react if I handed you $29,000? All of you, if I gave all of you, be like the old Oprah Winfrey show. Do you remember that? You get 29,000 and you get 29,000. It'd be awesome. I'd be curious to see one. I'm not doing that this morning. I wish I could, but I'm not. But if I did, if I could give each of you that amount of money, I'd be curious to see what you would do with it. Now, I already know what would happen. I just don't know individually what would happen. Some of you would go out and you'd instantly blow it. You'd run straight to the car dealership. You'd go to the boat uh, dealership. You'd go buy something. It'd be gone before the day was out. Now, others of you wouldn't go and blow it. You would take every bit of it and you would put it in your savings account. You would send it toward your retirement, your 401k, your IRA, because you're a saver by nature. Others of you are going to split it. You're going to put a little bit in savings, whatever that amount is, 50%, 30%, 70%. You're going to figure that out, and then you're going to spend that other percentage on you. And then others of you, you're going to go and you're going to give part of it away. I don't know, maybe 10%, maybe 80%, maybe 99%. I have no idea, but some of you, that's what you're going to do. And then you're going to take whatever that percentage that was left, and you're going to spend it or you're going to save it. And really, it comes down to how you view money. I only had a dollar in my wallet, so it depends on how you view money will determine what you do with that money. If you view money as something to spend, you're going to spend it. If you view it as something to save, you're going to save it. If you view it as something to give, you're going to give it. What's interesting is that the Bible links money to time. Benjamin Franklin was the first one to say time is money. And how we view money is very similar to how we view time because they're linked together. Is the time that you have here on this earth something to just hold on to? Is it something to be used to bless other people? Is it something to just blow by and just do whatever you want? I love the the passage that Jackson read to us. He said, through the words of Paul, be very careful how you live. Other translations say something like, pay careful attention to how you walk. Think about if you were going to cross your house in the middle of the night and you knew that your kids or grandkids had been playing with Legos before they went to bed. And as kids do, they didn't clean up after themselves. And so you know there's a good possibility there's Legos in the path as you're going to cross the house. How would you walk across your house knowing there's a possibility there's Legos in the way? You'd probably be paying attention to every step. You'd be setting your foot out there to find out. And then you would proceed forward because if you stepped on one of those Legos, that would be one of the most painful experiences you've ever had in your life. And it would cause you to really pay attention to where you placed your foot. That's what Paul is saying. He's not talking about physically walking. He's talking about how you spend your time. Here's the thing. What I've learned as I've gotten older is that time just speeds up. It speeds up because the pace of life has sped up. It took me a while to figure that out. Why is it not just days flying by, but weeks and months are flying by? 
I remember when I was a kid sitting in school every day, I mean, that clock would just move so slow. 60 seconds was an eternity. But now a year has blown by. And, and it's just a good mental exercise just to think about all the things that have happened over the course of the year. And before I can blink and you can blink, we'll be at the end of the next year. Unless, unless we pay very careful attention to how we live. Unless we view every moment as an opportunity to make the most of it. Unless we pay careful attention to where our feet are going, who we're inviting into our life, and how we're spending our time. You won't drift toward God. You'll grow closer to God because you're intentional about it. And you can get to the end of your life and you can look back and have wasted a lot of it. Or you can make a decision that regardless of what you've done in the past, for the coming year, you're going to pay better attention. You're going to be more present in the moment. You're going to put the phone down. You're going to turn the TV off. You're going to engage more with the people that are around you. You're going to seek stronger relationships with one another and with the Lord. Let's pay careful attention to our time. Finally, the psalmist says we need to watch our temptations. I want to go back to the book of James. He said, every person is tempted. I'm glad he said that because that makes me feel better. One, that means our elders are tempted. And you may be thinking, oh goodness, no, those guys are above temptation. No, they're not. They're tempted. I'm tempted. You're tempted. Every person is tempted. It's not a matter of whether or not you're tempted. If you sit here and you're like, oh, I'm not tempted at all. Well, that's because you're right in the hands of who's got you right where he wants you to be. You don't even know you're being tempted. Every person is tempted. And he tells us what we're tempted by. We're tempted by our desires, those feelings within us, those strong urges that are not always holy. We're tempted by our desires, the things that we want the things that we feel. And then he tells us how we're tempted. Now, I had to get a little help for this last one because I don't, I don't want to shock you, but I am not a fisherman. Not at all. Not even in the slightest. Now, I will tell you this story. Not long ago, about a year ago, I went fishing. I was asked to go fishing. I didn't want to go fishing, but I loved the individual enough to go fishing. And so we went down to the beaches at Gulf Shores and we fished off the beach. And the entire time we talked and I prayed in my own mind. And my prayer was very simple. Lord, please don't let a fish get on my hook. <laughs> and I will tell you that God answers prayer because I didn't catch a single thing. And the gentleman I was fishing with was just blown away that we weren't catching any fish. And later I had to leave and he went down the beach and he fished from a different spot and he caught several fish. And he told me about it the next day. And I just said, thank you, Lord, for moving the fish down the, down the water so that I didn't have to catch one. But what's interesting about a fishing lure is that when you put it in the water for that little fish, if I don't hook myself, it's enticing, isn't it? It looks good. Maybe not to you. That doesn't look good to you. But to a fish, it sees it in the water and it says, that's a nice looking fish. I could have me a nice little snack right now. I bet that fish would taste good. I bet it would satisfy my hunger. But what the fish can't see is the hooks. And as the fish comes up and bites onto the lure, that fish recognizes that was not a snack. That was bait. 
And once you've taken the bait, it's really hard to get off the hook. And that's what happens to you and I. Not with a fishing lure, but maybe with something you see on your phone. Maybe with a relationship. Maybe with a desire to move up in your career and to place that above God. Maybe in something to pursue financial security or what you think will be financial security. And as a result, you push your relationship with the Lord to the side because you're chasing after something that looks appealing. Satan recognizes that we're all tempted by our desires. And so he uses our desires against us. We have different desires, but we're all tempted with the same bait. It looks whatever your desire looks like, one of them has a hook. And when you say that, that'll feel good, that looks good, that'll make me feel good, that's exactly what I've wanted, and you take the bait, all of a sudden now you're on the hook, and it's your desires worked against you. If you want to keep your eyes on God this upcoming year, you've got to pay attention to what tempts you. Because if you don't, you'll never see the hook. And if you don't see the hook, it's hard to get off the line. So pay attention to what tempts you so that you can avoid it and keep your eyes on the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen between now and December 31st, 2024. But here's what I do know. I do know that if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord, we'll be better prepared to endure whatever difficulties come. We will enjoy every moment that God gives us, and we will draw closer to the Lord. I know that to be a fact. Yes, there are going to be challenges that we could never imagine. Maybe an amazing year, maybe an incredibly difficult year. But what I do know is, If we're not intentional, we will not get to the end of next year and be closer to the Lord. If we're not intentional, we will not see individuals who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. If we're not intentional, we will not witness growth in our church family. If we're not intentional, we will not fight off the temptations of the evil one. So I want to leave you with the words of Psalm 141. My eyes are fixed on you. Sovereign Lord, in you I take refuge. If you're looking for a prayer for this year, maybe that's your prayer. My eyes are fixed on you. Pay attention to what you're looking at because that determines the direction of your life. If you're here this morning and you want to end your year by surrendering your life to Christ, what better way to close out this year. What better way to begin a new year than with a new relationship with the Lord? We're ready to baptize you into Christ today if your heart is ready to surrender to Jesus Christ. If you need prayers of this church family, you want our shepherds to pray with you, you want us to pause and to pray over you, or you just want to have a private moment with the Lord, we want to encourage you to respond as together we stand and sing.